Welcome, church. Glad you guys are here. This is your first time here. We're uh, glad you're here. Just know you're in a safe place, so safe, in fact, that I was walking around this morning getting ready, and Dave looks at me and goes, you wear pants? And then I was walking back to go to the bathroom, and Lisa looked at me and goes, you're preaching today? So apparently, I dress like a bum all the time, except when I'm preaching. So if I wear pants, you guys know I'm doing something different. Glad you guys are here. Um, we've been going through spiritual disciplines. I get to wrap up the series together. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for what God has for us today. And Warner asked a really great question. What is your reason? And that got me thinking, like, what is my reason? I always like it um, when I can kind of think about what I'm singing about instead of just going through the motions of singing. And I was thinking... My reason was God made it to where I don't have to work hard to, to do anything to make myself acceptable to him. I don't have to clean myself up. He just accepts me. I don't have to wage war against him in order to make myself acceptable. I don't have to do anything in myself. And that's really what spiritual disciplines are all about, is these are not things that make us acceptable to God. These are things that draw us closer to him. These are ways that we exercise our faith and grow in a relationship with him. Um, as these, these just give him time and space to work in our hearts and in our lives. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before I get rolling, let's, uh, let's pray real quick. God, we, uh, we love you. We come before you today to hear from you. Uh, we trust, uh, trust you knowing that your spirit is with us, um, that you're going to change our lives in some way uh, today. Um, so we're just resting in, in that truth that uh, you love us and that you want us to know you more and to grow deeper in our relationship with you. So just be with us today. Uh, speak through me, and if I have something dumb to say, just take it away so that I'll say what you want me to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've repeated a similar phrase. These are not things to clean yourself up. These are not ways to make yourself holy. These aren't things that are going to make you better. These are responses to grace, spiritual disciplines. Uh, we already have favor with him through Jesus. We don't have to do these to be acceptable. They're meant to be done in response to grace. Um, makes it really nice to talk about as a preacher, because we're talking about giving today. So I don't have to get up here and make a big spiel about how God's going to make you a millionaire if you start giving us money. I haven't seen that return on my investment yet. I've seen other ways. Um, I am not rolling in the Benjamins. Um, but God does take care of us, just in different ways. Um, I've been on both ends of the giving spectrum. I have been able to, at times in my life, give people money that were in need, and I have been in need and had people give me money. Just last year, in fact, Kelly uh, lost her job when COVID kind of hit, and uh, we, went, we ended up going a month that we knew we were going to go without pay, and then I got quarantined from COVID. Her boss made her quarantine from COVID, so we ended up going two months without pay, and people in the church knew that I was... Uh, going through this, and instead of me stressing out like a crazy little bunny rabbit, they were gracious enough, and God used them to provide for us and take care of us, which was a very helpful moment for us. Um, financially, it just gave us the freedom, because it was right at Christmas, um, so it just gave us that flexibility and freedom. It was a blow to my humility. My pride took a hit, um, but God used it to show me what the church is all about, which is we're all in this together. We take care of one another. Um, so that's what giving is really all about. It's not about building up a church walls. It's about building a community. 
So we're going to dig into what giving really looks like, what giving is really about, which is not giving Jonathan a jet, um, <laughs> even though he already has one. So. Um, it's done in response to what God has done. So we're going to jump through a bunch of verses today um, and talk about giving. Um, so 1 John 4, 19, and the verses are going to be on the slide on the TVs that are now behind me, uh, which is cool. Um, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Giving is a response to the gospel. It's a response to the truth that Jesus Christ loves you, that he gave himself for you so that you could have a relationship with him, and it's through that joy, that gift that we give. sacrificial, and it's because of his sacrifice that we can call it joyful to sacrifice something that is of value to us. Um, God gave so much, and that makes it joyful because we can join in his sacrifice for us. It's a response. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is significant because this is a personal decision that you make in your heart. This is not something where we sit down and have a conversation and go, this isn't lining up with your budget. Uh, this isn't something that we would jump in and have to like talk to you about. This is something that you and God make a decision to do. It's not something where you're under compulsion. He wants you to do it cheerfully. Which makes it cool because there's no like percentage that I can throw out. There's nothing that I can tell you to make you cheerful or not cheerful. This is something that you and God wrestle with. It's a personal choice between you, if, you're, if you have a spouse, your spouse, and God. Um, I don't want to tell you what is appropriate. I'm not going to give you percentages today because I don't want to. I don't think God wants you to have a percentage. I think he wants you to give until it gets mildly uncomfortable, maybe a little bit more than uncomfortable. And we're going to see stories today where they are giving very uncomfortably. Um, but those are the boundaries, cheerful and no, no real percentage. Um, Mark 12, 41 through 44, here's our first story. Mark 12, 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more in than all of those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So the, the sacrifice that we all make looks different. None of us are going to put in the exact same amount of money, and it's, it's different. You put in different money than I put in, and that's fine. What's different is the way God views it. She is giving out of her poverty. Um, so it's, it's painful, is I think what Jesus is getting. is She's not giving out of her abundance where it's easy to drop three nickels in and, and move on with your life, whereas she's giving what she has. That's all she has to give, and she's giving out of her poverty. It's a sacrifice. And it's a way to put God to the test, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. To say, God, I trust you. I trust that you're going to provide for me, that you're going to take care of me. And it shows that we trust him, 
that we don't trust our paycheck as much as we trust him, so that we give sacrificially, we give out of our poverty, and it's, it can be painful, but we do it because we trust him. We do it because we know that he's going to show up and provide for us even when our paychecks can't, our paychecks won't. Um, it's a declaration to God, to the world, that we live by a different ethic, um, that he is in charge, that he is taking care of us, that this paycheck that we are dependent upon, we don't need to be because he is above finances, he's above our money and can take care of us. This is um, something Kelly and I have actually been wrestling with the last couple weeks um, because we've been giving online perpetually forever, I think eight years now since the church started offering online pay. So we haven't honestly... um, we don't think about it every week. Like, we don't walk over there to the offering box and drop a check-in because we realized eight years ago that if we have to do that, we have to remember our checkbook. And between ADHD over there and ADHD here, it never gets here. So we're like, we need to give online so that it at least happens. So we, we realized a couple months ago, we haven't really talked about it in a couple, uh, couple years, really. It's just something that has become a routine, something that we do, and it kind of started making me uncomfortable. So we started talking about, like, do we need to give more? Like, this isn't a sacrifice anymore. It doesn't feel, uh, we don't even feel it. It's just in our budget. We've budgeted for it a long time ago, and it's just the way it is. Um, So we've been having that conversation. So, um, I mean, we put more faith in our paychecks, and that's just the way our kind of life is. We live, some of us, um, I know I've definitely been there, and we're trying to break out of it, but we look paycheck to paycheck. Like, we're just waiting for the next one to pay off more bills um, and take care of us. Like, But this is an opportunity to put your faith in Christ, to exercise that faith that you already have, uh, to stretch it. And that's where God shows up. When you do things um, that make you uncomfortable, he shows up and does things that show us how great he is. Um, So one aside I want to make is I'm not a financial wizard. If you're asking people for financial advice, I would point you to somebody else. I'm just being honest with you. Um, I have everything that I have learned, I have learned from talking to a lot of you about my finances to try and figure out how to fix my own stupid mistakes. Um, Because if you talk to Kelly, you'll know that I'm the spender. I like to buy stuff. And uh, it's it's not not been a good habit. It's one that's kind of dug us in a grave. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because credit card debt makes it really hard to give cheerfully. It makes it really hard to find that financial freedom to where you can be able to help people um, to give generously and make that sacrifice. I'm not saying you can't, but it makes it, re- it, makes it harder. It's a, a stumbling block that prevents us from freely and being able to give sacrificially and cheerfully because you're thinking about having to pay off debt. Um, so my financial plug here is go look at financial peace if you're in that situation. It can help you. Um, find that financial peace, and you can put those principles into practice, which is what Kelly and I have, have done and are continuing to try and do. Um, so, yeah, there's my financial plug. Let's go to John 12, 1 through 8. More stories. This is a fun one. John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, So they gave dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. 
The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. (laughs) And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to that which was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. This is a great example of cheerful giving. She sacrificed something that is super expensive, like years worth of wages. And she gave it to Jesus with her hair, which is mildly disgusting if thinking about what people's feet were like back then. She's rubbing her hair all over it. But she's, this is a beautiful sacrifice. And Judas, being the idiot that he was, he's just like, no, we should sell this and give it to the poor, which is really giving it to him. But that's beside the point. Um, but this brings up a good point. Like, you may not have finances that you can sacrifice, but you might have things that you can sacrifice. She gave up this thing that she had that was worth a lot of money and gave it to Jesus. Uh, when Kelly and I lived in Hawaii, our first year of marriage, I know, tough sledding, living in Hawaii. But we were able to live there because one guy in the church had a really small apartment. It was like the size of the men's bathroom. And he gave it to us uh, free of charge. So that was his way of giving an offering to the church. Uh, He gave it to us sacrificially. And uh, to my knowledge, he never complained about us, even though we were basically college students that just got married. Um, Lived up at all night to the hour, all hours. Um, Maybe you can buy stuff that people need. Maybe you have something that people need. I don't know what you're encountering and what's going on in your world, but maybe you have things that you can use to help people. Maybe you have, I mean, Jonathan talked about serving. Um, I don't want to get into that, but you have items that you can give to help people. Um, There are different ways to give besides finances. We're just meeting people's needs. That's what all of this is about, is helping each other, building that community. Um, And that reflects how much we love and trust God as we sacrifice these things that we find value in, that we find joy in, um, that we find comfort in, um, because we live because God is, is greater. He doesn't, we don't need finances to support ourselves and be um, safe and secure. He is our security. He's the one who takes care of us. Um, but I'll leave that up to you. Maybe you can send people to a marriage retreat or, or something like that. I don't know. But there's a whole slew of different ways we can help out. Um, look at Acts 4, 32 through 35. This is like the quintessential giving verse, I think, in the New Testament, because this is really defining what the purpose of giving is, I think, in the New Testament church. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said any of the things belonged to him that was his own. Um, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had any need. So giving brings unity and community. That is what we see. All of their giving, all of their sacrificial, cheerful, joyful giving has done is it's brought unity. It says they were um, of one heart and one soul. Um, Each as any need, they were all provided for. 
And it says the result of this was great grace was upon them all. They were all in community together. They were loving one another and meeting each other's needs. That's what giving to the church is all about. It's not making bank accounts bigger. It's not making walls bigger. It's meeting the needs of our people, meeting the needs of our community. It brings us together collectively. Um, it, it, it helps us meet people's needs. And it brings us together, too, because as we are commonly pouring our finances in together, we can do more together, we can serve more together, and we can celebrate what God is doing through all of our giving as we support people that can't make rent this week, as we support people that can't afford marriage counseling but need to go to marriage counseling um, or need to go to counseling to get over loss. We need, we're meeting people's needs financially. Um, it's like being a good football team. As much as we wanted Trevor Lawrence to be the savior that the Jaguars needed, didn't happen. They're going to lose. Sorry. It's just going to happen. Pessimist, maybe. I don't know. I'm just tired. It's been 12 years of watching them lose. Even at his best, he can't save garbage. Maybe when the Jaguars decide to draft good players besides Trevor Lawrence, they'll be successful, and then they can work together as a team and overcome adversity. But until the offensive line decides to do their job, <laughs> he's going to get sacked. He's going to throw an interception. Together, we can do great things. That's what being a church, that's what giving collectively is all about. Jonathan doesn't have a plane in his backyard. I don't have a plane in my backyard. I wouldn't know what to do with it if I did. Um, it, it goes beyond these four walls. It goes beyond just building an earthly kingdom. We're, part of, we're taking part in God's kingdom with our finances. And that's why it's cool, like, when Jonathan sends financial updates. It's like, hey, look at all these great things that we've been able to do. I remember a couple years ago, we um, were able to provide, and it wasn't just people that were in our church, but it was people that our church members knew that needed help. And we just took a, a bunch of money and we just started loving people with it. People that you guys identified that you told us that had need, we took the money that you gave and supported people. At, I think it was around Christmas. I don't remember. Um, but it was, it was a good thing. It was exciting. That's something that we enjoyed doing um, because it's what we should be doing, um, taking care of each other. Um, Look at 1 Kings 17, 7 through 6. Giving you a second, go back to Old Testament, so long flip. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her to him and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. 
For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that, was, that he spoke by Elijah. This is a huge exercise in faith, and that's what giving is. She is having to trust that what Elijah said about God is true. And that's what we all have to do, is trust that God is going to take care of us. I, I said it earlier, I haven't seen a return on my investment financially that's made me super a millionaire or whatever. But here we see that God is meeting her needs, that he is taking care of her by making oil never run dry and keeping flour in the jar. It is a miracle. She was sitting there preparing for her last meal. She said, we're about to die. So she is at the end of her rope. You can't get lower than what she is, where she is literally thinking about her kid dying. I mean, I, many of you are parents in here. That's not something that I enjoy thinking about. I know you don't either because we all love our kids. But she's sitting there, and that's the place that she is in. And Elijah says, go and give me the, all the food that you have, basically, and feed it to me, and then it's going to be fine. So she had to trust that he was going to meet that need. That's a pretty big ask. But that's what giving is. It's an opportunity for God to stretch your faith. It's an opportunity to say, I put my faith in you to take care of me, not in this paycheck, not in my finances. And then you just get to sit back and watch him take care of you. It's not always going to be comfortable, because when he takes care of you, that means you have to be in an uncomfortable position to receive him taking care of you. Elijah was, I'm sure, really dehydrated and super hungry, but he had to pray and ask God to provide for him. This lady was in a really uncomfortable position where she was about to die, but God provided for her. And that's the point is that God meets our needs. That's the point of giving is to see that God meets our needs, not our job, not our finances, not ourselves, which is what we really think, that I'm meeting my needs, I'm meeting my kids' needs. That's a hard place to be in, to be in a place where you need God to show up. It's not, not something that happens in America very often. We like to rely on ourselves. I like to rely on myself. But that's what giving is going to do, is it's going to put you in a position to watch God take care of you. And that's what we, I mean, that's what we really are, because we can't take care of ourselves. We think we can. I like to think I can. I want to be a strong, capable man. But at the end of the day, I mean, I can, especially right now, I can get COVID. And I mean, who knows what's going to happen when that, that finally happens. But we, we just don't know. But it's an opportunity to trust God to take care of us. Look at Philippians 4, 10 through 20. Going backwards, or I guess forwards. Philippians 4, 10 through 20. This is Paul writing. If you're looking for a good book to read in the Bible, Philippians is my favorite. Paul wrote to the Philippians in 4, 10 through 20, I rejoiced and the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to, the riches, to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So giving sacrificially blesses others. It, you see here, Paul is being blessed. His needs are being provided by another church. So they are taking part in his mission, in, in his um, missionary work, by supporting him, by supplying his needs. And it's cool because Paul really, I mean, he talks about his needs a little bit, but he ends up talking about them a lot too. It's to your credit. It's to your faith that it's pleasing to God and that he's going to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. His, I mean, think about that phrase, his riches and glory. Like, that's, that's better than you can possibly imagine. It may not be that $300,000 boat that you see driving down the road, but his riches and his glory are worth far more than that. You may not be able to take those to the bank, but the things that God is going to do when you give sacrificially, when you put yourself out there to watch him show up, he's going to supply your needs. And when you give to the church, we're all taking part in the ministry that we're doing together. It's a collective. Like these walls aren't here because Jonathan and I built them, or Gene and I built them. They're here because we collectively put our finances together and decided that this is something that we needed to help further the mission and kingdom of God. And that's what we did. We're providing opportunities for ministry to take place, opportunities to meet people's needs through fostering hope, to meet people's needs in Costa Rica, to meet people's needs locally in our church and around our church. And it's, it's always cool because Jonathan and Gene and Brian and I don't sit down and go, who do we know that needs help? It's always you guys that tell us who needs help. You'll come to us and tell it like a prayer request pops up. or I mean, we're looking at all those things just to see what you guys what, what the needs are. And it's through you guys kind of cluing us into that that we're like, we need to help these people out. We need to help these people out as we meet and love and, and worship together, as we get to know each other in a community. We're, we're building that. Um, it also supports full-time and part-time staff. Like, there are just things that Jonathan, Gene, and Brian and I don't have the bandwidth to do, so you guys are supporting people's jobs and people's positions. We're happy to do that. We get to bless them financially as they serve, um, so it gives them the, the time and space that they need to meet our people's needs, our kids' needs and stuff. Um, but there aren't any CEOs, no massive bonuses. The only kingdom we serve is, is God's kingdom, so that's what we're, we're trying to do. That's what our finances do, is they help us um, meet people's needs in God's kingdom. The comforting, I don't know if it's comforting, it's true though, God doesn't need your money. Um, we're not, I'm not making a plea for your, for your money right now. Um, his mission's not going to be thwarted if you're stingy. 
if you're in a place where you're like, I just don't want to do it. I'd prefer you not to do it, honestly. If you can't do it cheerfully, if you can't do it and feel joy about it and feel free and liberated, you're really just hurting yourself. You're not going to grow spiritually through that. You're just going to get more bitter, probably. But as we do give out of joy and as we give cheerfully, we get to take part in his mission. We get to experience his grace in a deeper, more meaningful way. We get to have our faith challenged so that we learn how to be dependent on him and less dependent on ourselves. Um, It brings unity as we collectively go on mission together, as we collectively build God's kingdom. Um, And then we get to watch him do amazing things, amazing things through all of us um, and everything that we do. Giving is always a response to what God did in Jesus for us. He sent Jesus to be our sacrif- to be a sacrifice for us so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we can take part in God's glory and God's kingdom and be with him forever. That's what giving does, is it helps us be dependent on the one that we need to be dependent on because we can't do anything apart from him. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what we need. We need to be strengthened by Jesus. And giving is going to make us dependent on him so that when the storms come, we don't falter because God's got us. Even when the world rejects us, even when the world kicks us to the curb, we lose jobs, everything that we are think we're dependent on goes away. The one who can do something, we can have faith in him because we know we can trust him. Let's pray.